everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Style Guides podcast, a podcast that's dedicated to all things style guides, pattern libraries, standards related. Uh, my name is Brad Frost. I'm Anna Debenham. And today we are extremely excited to welcome Lincoln Mongelo to the program. Lincoln, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you, Brad. Thank you, Anna. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're really excited to have you on the program because you've been uh, sort of neck deep in style guides for a while now. So um, I, I'm really, really looking forward to hearing what you have to say uh, on the subject. But just to sort of get started, like, who are you? Where are you based? You know, who are you working for? What are you, what are you up to these days? And sort of, you know, what's, what's been your path? You know, how, how have you gotten here? Sure. Well, uh, for the past eight years, I was working at Starbucks uh, as the Web and API Category Manager, which is a kind of a weird title, but it really was a product management role um, responsible for facilitating the strategy, vision, and roadmap for our company's websites. Um, and as part of that, I helped relaunch uh, Starbucks.com as a responsive website and built uh, an open and public uh, style guide. And then just recently in December, I switched over to a, a product company called Simple, which is an online application and, and uh, website that basically helps uh, customers manage their financial lives a little bit more effectively through a, a banking application. That's fantastic. And, and so, so what's your role there at Simple? Uh, my role there is product lead, so I work on a very small team of a couple of product managers helping the engineering organization with their vision, strategy, and roadmap. That's excellent. And so, so are you guys sort of uh, you know, rolling up your sleeves with, with sort of this pattern-based thinking, this, these sort of style guys, uh, this sort of approach? Is, are, are you sort of you know, taking on that mission that you've sort of crafted over the, the last you know, eight years at Starbucks and sort of you know, getting that thinking in, involved and injected into into simple. Uh, yes and no. Um, mm. When when I did it at Starbucks, it was something that was completely net new to us at the time. We developed it based on a a, a need state that we had internally to align our organization around the design patterns that we saw in our website and have a common kind of document to describe exactly what the markup was, what the visual design was, and like all the elements that powered our website. At Simple, they already had a head start for that, um, given kind of the, the pace in which they operate. So they were already well tuned into what the industry was doing. And they have a, a pretty extensive style guide already. Um, it's just oh, not wow. publicly available. Um, it's all mm-hmm. located within their internal GitHub repo. Um, and so they've been iterating on that for, I'd say, the past year and a half. Um, and we've got some pretty big plans to further evolve that. And, you know, who knows what will happen in the future with that. Do you plan to make it public? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. That'd be, no, the, I... coolest, that'd be the coolest thing for, for a banking uh, institution to start sharing things publicly. <laughs> well, it's, but, uh, you know, and as much as it's a bank, I mean, it's really just a, a website and an application that sits sure. on top of a bank. And so a lot of the sure. challenges that other companies have is the same challenges that we have when it comes to building applications that, that are, um, you know, hard to build and harder to maintain. And so a style guide mm. really helps to, you know, ease some of the, the challenges with, you know, making design decisions, uh, in a, in a way that is equally yoked to what the interests are of the designers and the developers. Yeah. So was it hard to convince Starbucks to make theirs public? 
no. Um, the the kind of origin story of, of that is um, we developed it um, uh, when we were doing our responsive design uh, project. And it was done by a, a single developer at the time. We had a front-end development team who... Uh, who came together and decided that we needed to have that uh, as a mm-hmm. kind of an artifact for, for us um, when we went about doing the responsive design uh, effort. And uh, there was a couple of developers on the team who had done that at previous companies um, when it was sort of just getting off the ground as a concept. Uh, and they found it very fruitful for them in their design process and, and development processes. So they ended up um, building out a, the Starbucks responsive style guide uh, and we we launched it publicly um, inside of a static directory. Uh, it just wasn't linked out externally from from any part on our website, nor was it you know publicly mentioned. And then I was at South by Southwest a few years ago, and um, I think it was Andy Hume was giving a great talk on style guides, and particularly he was commenting on like the BBC Jail style guide, which at the time mm-hmm. was. A fascinating insight into how the BBC, um, you know, thought of their design thinking. And after that, I went up and talked with him. And lo and behold, Jeremy Keith came up and and started (laughs) asking me about it. And I I mentioned that it was publicly available. So I just brought it up on my phone. And he was like, this is great. You have to show this to the world. (laughs) Yeah. I remember I, I've heard his side of this story as well yeah. and him sort of going on about how amazing it was. <laughs> it, I mean, it was, you know, once he um, started to talk a little bit more about it, that's when it really gained a lot of interest, uh, you know, within the development community. Um, other people started to comment on it. And the sheer fact that it was already publicly available was, was you know, to go back to your original question, it, was, it wasn't a conscientious decision. It was just, it was always out there in the open. Yeah. That's fantastic. That's really good. Yeah. So, so, I mean, this is is huge, and and it was my introduction to a style guide. Uh, it's seeing the Starbucks style guide for me was like life changing moment. <laughs> there, there, I mean, I and, and I'm sort of being a little dramatic here, but you know, I we would not be talking about this if it, if it weren't for that, and and sort of. It, it is really uh, amazing, I mean, how much of an impact that stuff could have to just sort of give credence to the fact that, yeah, yes, this thing is, uh, you know, this is a sound concept. Look, a, a large company is doing this, you know, especially large companies, this, you know, need to have a cohesive sort of language, a cohesive, uh, you know, sort of system, a cohesive vocabulary that they could sort of, you know, get things done with. Um, and so, so it really was uh, a huge sort of epiphany seeing that. Mm. So, so thank you for that. <laughs> oh. You know, all the credit really goes to the developer that put that together. It was a gentleman by the name of Curtis Jurgensen, who was a front end developer on the Starbucks team at the time, who really had the opportunity to kind of step back from the day to day project work. And as we were thinking about the design challenges that were in front of us with, you know, taking the site and kind of reflowing it through um you know because it was a desktop site uh he he had the opportunity to kind of rethink what he needed at the time um based Mm -hmm. on our team's needs and and born out of that was the style guide so i think a lot of the credit goes to that front-end development team at starbucks at the time i kind of feel like it was the tipping point for a lot of people yeah it made them realize wow style guides are a real thing oh yeah is it 
It's a, it's the Boston Globe of style guides. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, honestly, it was born out of, I think, um, Anna, you did a 24 Ways article on style guides at the time. And I think that was also a tipping point for us when we were talking about it, that it was an important enough um, talking point in the industry that we had to really consider doing that as part of our own work. Um, and so I think these things sort of, you know, fold on each other over time where, you know, the importance of it and the significance of it are based on like what other people are doing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you sort of mentioned something, you know, so you had this developer who was able to sort of take a step back and sort of, you know, sort of see the forest, if you will, uh, through the trees. And and this is something I see repeated over and over and over again, a lot of organizations, they're all just, they're, they're trying to get stuff done trying to get, you know, a new project out the door, you know, you have, especially in an organization as, as sizable as, as a Starbucks, you know, you have, you know, loads of different developers, loads of different teams with loads of different priorities and goals and stuff like that. And, you know, how, how important is it? And, and even at your, at your sort of new, new gig, you know, to sort of have those, that sort of layer above, those sort of siloed teams uh, to sort of help steer and establish this sort of common language, establish a sense of, uh, you know, continuity and, and, and cohesion and, and sort of just building tools to actually do that. Because, like, again, a lot of organizations don't have that layer. It's just like we need to get things done. We need, you know, these teams all hands on deck, you know, put your head down, put your horse blinders on and just sort of get things done. Like, so organizationally, like, can you, can you maybe speak to that? Like, you know, cause you're sort of, it's, it sounds like you're operating sort of at a, at a level above, you know, just practitioner, you know, developer yeah. sort of getting things done. Yeah. Um, I think it really comes down to design leadership and giving the team the room and capacity to do what they need to do to be successful in whatever, you know, project that they're involved in. And so if the team is really responding to a need where they have common interests and common goals and objectives where they need to have a a style guide to work more effectively together, then it's probably up to the the leadership of of the company or or the team to give them the ample time and room uh, to focus Mm. their energy on that. And, you know, a lot of times there's such great talent out there. You just have to get out of the way and let them do what they need to do. (laughs) <laughs> well, that is a great piece of advice. Absolutely. So you, so you guys built this thing. Uh, it got out there. Like, was there any sort of, has there, have you seen any sort of pushback or challenges when, you know, whenever this thing sort of went live and, you know, you sort of have a bunch of different teams or people that are used to working in a, in a specific way. Um, what I've found in my, in my own work is, is, you know, sometimes people are apprehensive. They, they feel like uh, a style guide uh, or these standards are sort of putting the handcuffs on creativity and stuff. So mm-hmm. how, do, how, do you, how do you combat that? How do, you, how do you sort of address that and make sure that, you know, get them sort of on, on your side? <laughs> yeah, I think that's one of been, certainly been one of the biggest challenges in that uh, everybody needed to rationalize what the style guide meant for them, be it a designer, a developer. Um, and I think there's different interest, interests um, with that, with respect to those parties. And where where it came down um, for us is that we, we needed something that was a living document of the site at the time. Um, and 
we needed something that could change and morph as our design decisions were changing. And yeah. the, the style guide really represented a way for us to all rally around, you know, um, different design decisions that were being made and understand how it's making an impact, um, at, at what you would call the atomic level, um, mm-hmm. you know, to use a, you know, some of your language, Brad. And I think that if you're looking at something as simple as like a carousel or a button, um, you can see those things in context of kind of the, where they sit in situ on the page. But when you see it, um, at the atomic level, uh, you're able to really interrogate the markup. What does, what does that mean from a semantic point of view? What does it mean from a style point of view? Um, and, then you can start to put these pieces together as components that make up your larger website. Um, and I think the goal of a, of a style guide for, for us at the time was to make it a living style guide, something that would change and evolve as our design decisions were changing. And I think that's uh, a, a worthy and noble mission, but it's also extremely challenging to um, you know continue to use that as the crucible in which you look at all your design thinking through. Um, and this is something that I think that that Simple is doing a great job at, that they're really focusing on all of their design decisions based on what is the impacts to the style guide. Do you use it for prototyping? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I think uh, that's certainly one of the key benefits is that from a from a rapid iteration perspective, you're able to take concepts pretty rapidly with the living style guide and take those modular parts of of that component library and then build something new out of that. Um, And then, you know, do whatever you need to do to decorate it or change it in a way um, so you can kind of make it something new. Mm. So so you get these sort of massive gains. Instead of sort of reinventing the wheel the whole time, you could just sort of leverage existing patterns to sort of explore new ideas. Yeah. And you're doing it with real code, too. You're not doing it just, you know, in a blank white Photoshop canvas. You can start with something that's tangible and demonstrable. Um, so other other interested parties, be it designers, developers, or even senior management, can take a look at something in the context of, of what is appropriate to the web, which is the browser itself. Right. And I guess in any device as well. Exactly. Yeah, that's so cool. So, so it sounds like it, you, you have a, a simple, you know, the the style guide, the pattern library is, is very much sort of baked into the the mindset and the the, the workflow of, of the design and development teams from from sort of like a maintainability standpoint. Is are are they connected? Is is the sort of style guide, does the style guide it sort of exist within the production code base? Is it is it sort of a separate sort of reference and, and sort of what does that what's that process like and how do you sort of keep things maintained? Yeah, that's certainly one of the biggest challenges is maintainability. Um, and at Simple, I can certainly testify to the fact that they've had some pretty significant challenges uh, to that, where their style guide is a completely separate code base from their, their actual living um, website. And I think that's part of the work that's being um, done right now is to start to bridge the gap between these two uh, ecosystems. So what you'll see in the future is a fully functional website that's built on and um, powered by the style guide itself. Uh, mm-hmm. And that process is uh, underway right now. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's a, it's a pretty big undertaking. <laughs> it is, yeah. Um, but the benefit, um, you know, the risk reward for that or the, you know, cost benefit for it is that, you know, we'll have at least one way in which we can kind of talk about and look at um, semantic markup and, and, you know, style sheets to define how our site looks. Yeah. 
And so, so what's the, what's the makeup of the team? Teams at Simple. Who's who's using the style guide? You know, and, and sort of how how do each you know how does each discipline sort of get sort of unique benefits from from the style guide? Well, right now um, there's a creative department which. Uh, consists of uh, oh, really? cre- <laughs> yeah. oh. well this is it's actually been, <laughs> it's not a bad the thing the word creative is uh, yeah I know, I know a dagger in my heart <laughs> um, and well this was uh, an evolutionary process for simple it sounds like what they had previously um, was a, a completely cohesive front end development UX and um, design team all within one group uh, and they've sort of branched off as needs started to get a little bit more specific. Um, and so recently they've had a, a creative lead that's been managing the evolution of the brand and the style guide. Um, and uh, they've been working um, to connect that with the marketing website. So the marketing organization has a reference to it. Um, and then also the application development teams who are responsible for like what you see um, you know, as the banking application itself. Uh, and so we're working to kind of make these things all connect one against the other. And we're also trying to look at how mobile, um, particularly native apps, play a part in what a style guide might look like the, for, for those applications. Oh, that's a, yeah, that's a, a great uh, meaty topic to go into because, yeah, so you have these sort of what it sounds like are these varied web experiences. You sort of have your pre-login marketing pages. You have your post-login application pages. And there's sort of the question around, should those things be in sync with the same and, and be sort of managed by the same style guide? Or are they sort of justifiably different? Exactly. Uh, yeah. And and so it sounds like you made the decision that that your entire web experience is, is, you know, can operate under the same style guide pattern library? Well, I think that's what we're really wrestling with right now. That's a great question that deserves a lot of care and attention when it comes to addressing how we answer that, um, because it has significant impacts to the various teams that are working on, on that code base. And so, you know, we're working with the with the teams to come up with a game plan that will give them what they need to do their job in the most effective way possible, but um, gives us a, a common way in which we can look at you know code and and markup and the overall brand of the company. Yeah. So, how do you make sure that it's always kept up to date? Uh, at Simple, I haven't had enough experience to know. Um, what it was like for them um, as their design process has evolved. But at Starbucks, I can tell you that it's been significantly challenging because different projects are operating at different um, timescales. And so what we found mm-hmm. is that, you know, we were we were always using the style guide as a reference point, but we were iterating in our live code first, um, you know, in the production site. And yeah. I found that to be... Um, very, very challenging for us because you'd get like um, almost versioning happening within your code base where it's like you'd had you'd have like a module that was version two, whereas the style guide version was version one. Um, mm. And it and it became a, a challenge to, you know, stay consistent when it comes to, you know, a definition of what what a, an atomic element is as things evolve rapidly. Right. So so you have you have sort of a disconnect between the production environment, which is off and running, and then sort of the style guide, which is sort of holding down the fort. But it's, mm-hmm. it's sort of like, how do you bring that thinking that's that's happened in the 
in the sort of new version and production back to that that sort of design language. Yeah, and I think the the answer to that, or at least one of the answers to that, that we were trying to, you know, really vet was how do we use the style guide as the definitive. Um, landmark or touchstone when it comes to the changes that we're going to make to the code base. And so when we make changes to that, it cascades and ripples across the entire site. So that becomes the single artifact for us when it comes to the look and feel um, and also the markup of the site. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's sort of moving towards more sort of strict adherence to the style guide rather than sort of it's more a suggestive sort of starting point, right? yeah, exactly. You know, they've they've used the term style guide driven development, and I think that is um, definitely the the desired end state for a lot of development teams, where they can basically all all land at one place. Because if you can do that, it makes what you change in production a lot more um, easy to manage over the long term. You're able to debug things more effectively. You're able to have a, a view into how your code base is looking across a site versus having um, you know various artifacts show up across hundreds of pages. Yeah. Yeah. So, so change, change the, the main pattern and, and it just propagates throughout wherever it's included and job's done. <laughs> that's the promise of style sheets. Yeah. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and that's just sort of it. It's, it's, it is, it's almost like sort of bringing like the, the, the very sort of fundamental philosophy of CSS is just sort of bringing it into just like interface design period. Uh, is sort of how I see a lot of this stuff. You're just sort of like extending it towards markup, extending it towards that other stuff. Those sort of modular thinking is great. I'd be quite interested to know how um, design fits in, like what your workflow is at at Simple, whether they're designing in Photoshop or moving straight into the style guide. Um, I believe there's a little bit of back and forth at Simple um, where they're, you know, trying things out in uh, like a, a raster-based image program like like Sketch or, or Photoshop just to get a concept down. But they'll quickly move that into working code and, and iterate pretty rapidly on on something. They Their ability to um, produce work uh, in a rapid pace has been absolutely mind-blowing to me how fast they're <laughs> able to put things together. Um, and so typically what you'd see is, um, you know, a quick a quick Photoshop comp of how something will look and then um, a rapid iterative process where we're coding and designing and making changes in the browser from that. A good example of that is that we just launched this new New Year's resolution um, project, which is a a fully responsive, beautiful uh, resolution maker that ties directly into the banking application. So you can kind of set up a goal based on your resolution. Uh, And uh, it was cleverly put together and um, the team was able to take that concept and um, given kind of the interactivity of it, um, it didn't, you know, obviously um, apply itself too well to a Photoshop mock-up. And so our, our design team was able to quickly, rapidly um, prototype that in the browser and continue to iterate on the design from then on out. And does the style guide help with that, being able to kind of take snippets of code and look through and see what's already existing. Yeah, I imagine so. I, you know, Honestly, I'm too new to the company to know how effective um, that was at that particular project, but I can imagine that it must have had some benefit. Yeah. And do you, do you have folks that are sort of more, you know, attuned to, to 
tools like Sketch and Photoshop and, and are they sort of sitting side by side with a front end developer that has a, a sort of a good aesthetic eye or sort of, you know, how, how do those sort of worlds collide? And because this is something I struggle with a lot just because, you know, people automatically assume, you know, oh, you write HTML and CSS, therefore you are a developer, so go sit <laughs> with the developers. Like, yeah. how, how, how has that worked, you know, both at Simple but also at Starbucks? Like, how does that sort of cross-disciplinary, like, wh where do those lines meet? Where do they cross? Like, how do they, you know, get work done together in a, in a way that's sort of, you know, simultaneously good-looking, especially for, you know, I mean, both Simple and Starbucks, like, had this, just this really rich, very visual brands and stuff yeah. like that. And so, so how do you sort of, you know, get that, that important design thinking, that aesthetic thinking, uh, but also sort of marry it with the realistic, you know, idea that, yes, this is going to live in a browser and so it needs to, to, to follow the rules of physics? <laughs> well, I think importantly, it's sort of the checks and balances that come when you're working with different design teams and different development teams. When they're working together in harmony, it's when they're able to talk and collaborate uh, around design decisions that ultimately are reflective of where the end product is going to be, which is going to be a website. It's going to be shown in the browser. And so the work that the designer is doing within a kind of a comp-based environment like Photoshop or Sketch, um, that's in support of the work that the front-end developer is doing. And so in as much as possible where I've seen um, Starbucks be successful is when you have a designer sitting with the front-end development team uh, running through their, their ideas and then seeing how that parlays out into code as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, back in the day when it was... I would I would say a little less successful is when you'd have a fully realized comp uh, presented, um, approved, and then thrown over the wall to a developer who then had to somehow miraculously pull off all the yeah. effects of what yeah. the design was. And uh, you know, usually based on a printer. Oh yeah, yeah. and <laughs> and I think I don't know if it's just you know time within the industry and where we're at as a, as an industry. But those days seem to have gone by the wayside, at least from my experience where, um, you know, the, the, the benefit of, of collaboration between a designer and developer is, is, um, becoming the key differentiator to a, a project success overall. You're able to move faster. You're able to make smarter decisions. You're able to be a little bit more realistic about what is changing in your design. Um, and, and to that end, you're able to, I, I think, work on on the artifact that you're creating uh the website itself and, and ship something that's a little bit more meaningful than a than just a straight photoshop comp yeah yeah and i i actually literally just last night i just got an email from um uh, uh designer visual designer at a, at a big brand and struggling with with so saying, what, what tools should I be using? What tools should I be using? And, you know, the developers, uh, you know, are, are, are sort of working in this way and I need to be able to create sort of more realistic designs and, and you know, I need to be using these different tools, but I've, I've you know, trialed them all and, and I just, I don't feel comfortable in them. I, and I feel yeah. like it's, it's sort of lousy. And, it, and I sort of kept pushing back. There's a couple of threads in the, in the email like it's it sort of sounds like a workflow issue more than anything else. It's really not really about the the tools and even the 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 sort of disciplines, but it has everything to do with how you're working together and what those expectations are in working together. And if you could create sort of a culture that that encourages collaboration between disciplines, 
uh, you're gonna you're gonna be left with more sort of realistic projects rather than you know this yeah that sort of traditional waterfall workflow. Mm, I think at the end of the day, designer's best tool is often just a pencil and paper. Oh yeah, and if yeah. and if the two parties can have the collaboration exactly, and if the two parties can have empathy towards the other's needs, I think that's where you find a real impactful um, project where where a developer who has a keen eye for design sensibilities um, and a develop and a designer who can um, maybe look at or interrogate some code and make some changes so it's not a burden on the developer. I think that's where I, I found uh, a strong, cohesive um, experience when it comes to the design process. Yeah. How, how do you feel that, that sort of come bringing it back all to sort of style guides and pattern libraries and stuff, like how do you feel these tools can can really sort of help facilitate that that collaboration that empathy establish sort of again like a sense of realism of like here's here's how you know these horizontal tabs break down for small screens or here's how like these tables you know work to sort of give the designer a, a better sense of sort of what's realistic of what's achievable uh, well, and yeah yeah, isn't that just it, Brad? I mean, it's it's really all about getting real, um, and nothing is more real than what what the actual interface is going to look like in the browser. Um, and from that point, you're able to, I think, both realize that your work is contributing to a larger, greater good. Where mm. um, you know the markup itself, the the uh, the style sheets are all the end product, and I think it, it is the the common ground in, that designers and developers are all seeking. And it's just that they did have different tools to express themselves uh, when it comes to that, but they're all trying to build the same thing ultimately. And I find that that's when um, a style guide is really effective at providing uh, a common ground. I've, I've referred to it as a lingua franca before between, you know, designers and developers where they able, they're able to use their own language when explaining something like how a button should look or animate. Um, and they can um, have their common interest reflected in in the style guide itself where they can see the markup they can see the style um, and then can start to interact with it in a way that they couldn't do previously before in any kind of um, design-based tool that's that's brilliant (laughs) i have nothing to say to that other than yeah absolutely that that, that's brilliant and i think that that's um that that's sort of you know one of one of the reasons why we're why we're doing this this podcast is to try to just make that stuff abundantly clear and i think that uh you know just sort of hearing that you know coming from from someone that's worked with these you know really successful brands these brands that you know are producing really like gorgeous visuals you know and 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 again have really strong brands and and visual you know and you you've obviously heard the same things that i've heard you know about responsive design and stuff and it's like oh you know it's just a bunch of boxes and grids and it's all very sort of flat (laughs) and and uh sort of uninspiring and i think that you know starbucks it's simple and so like you guys are, are really proving that you can create these things that that do marry the, the sort of development and design together in a, in a way that, that produces great work. Oh, absolutely. And it's a, it's a really exciting time to be in this field because the web is changing so rapidly with mobile-first design thinking, and style guides really help um, parlay what, what designers and developers have been working with the medium of, of the desktop-based interface design. And now with responsive design and, and a style guide sitting on top of that, kind of overlooking the entire landscape, is really it's such an exciting time to be in this field. 
Couldn't agree anymore. <laughs> so um, I think that that's, that's really all the time we have uh, uh, for today. And I think uh, that's a, a beautiful note to end on. You've, you've done a great job really running through sort of the benefits of the style guides, how that's really facilitating true collaboration and, and leading to really great realistic work. Uh, so, so thanks, thanks again for coming on. Uh, and, and again, really thanks, thanks for sharing and, and sort of <laughs> helping facilitate that, that sort of openness. Uh, because again, we, we wouldn't be talking about this if it, if it, especially weren't for that original Starbucks, uh, style guide. So, so thanks again for that. No, thank you guys for all the work that you put into sharing, uh, you know, your thoughts and, and, uh, aspirations with the rest of the industry. I think it's because of your work that, um, we're able to do the work, um, for the, the companies that we work for. Aww. Go team web. all righty well hey we will talk to you later and and thanks so much for, for coming on the podcast